Hey everybody, it's Corey Mosley and this is the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast, strategy, testimony, and real talk for all things entrepreneurship. And it starts right now. Hello, 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 and one more for good measure. Hello. Welcome to another edition of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. That's right. This is the place where we're talking about all things entrepreneurship, business growth, opportunities. We're dropping all kinds of knowledge bombs. I've got guests from all over the world that have given their time to come in and share their stories, share their feedback, their advice all in the mission of helping you start, grow, expand, build, save, turn around your business. I'm your host, Corey Mosley, and uh, I want to thank you for tuning in this week. I continue my uh, my mission to, to bring you interesting people, bring you people from all over the place. Many people I know for a number of years, some are new faces to the podcast. And today's one of those days where I get to kind of pull from my network, so to speak, and bring you, you know, arguably, I think one of the the sharpest, hardest working guys, certainly in the advertising, digital marketing space, you know, somebody that you really, really need to know. And I think you're going to not only enjoy the story, which may, you know, may resonate with you. We all come from different walks of life. So some of us and, and many of you who listen to the podcast regularly have heard me talk about, you know, this idea that there's just kind of two schools of thought. There's this there's a school of thought that to find a, a wild degree of success, you have to go through these great tragedies and, you know, these great turning points and dark moments. And that's a subset. You, you've also heard my philosophy on making sure that there's balance, making sure that that people who, you know, didn't meet with adversity have confidence and know that, hey, just because I wasn't, you know, born on the uh, on an abandoned building that you know I too can still make it I, I could have had two great parents and 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 come up great and I still have a shot it doesn't have to be an adversity moment so you know it's very important to me to have that ebb and flow and create that balance for for all of our listeners now I've got a guest today Troy spring is his name he's got it's like a cool name Troy spring it's like a fun name like you expect you have high hopes for him. And and Troy, uh, he's going to deliver. He's the CEO and founder of a company called Dealer World. Now, Troy built this company on the foundation and simple belief that if you drive enough customers and leads to a qualified team of sales professionals, all the other BS goes away. So being successful in his business uh, is just that easy. Now, he currently employs over 30 professionals and houses a 100% in-house advertising agency, which he coins a performance agency. Now, his passion and vision for helping business owners led to one of his prime models, which is, we do not sell anything. We find clients that need help, and we help them. Troy lives at the base of the Pocono Mountains, ooh, in PA with his family and enjoys a round of golf every now and then when life allows. Troy, thanks for joining the show today. Hey, Corey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I am looking forward to this. I appreciate having me on. <laughs> well, listen, I want to talk to you for, for a number of different reasons. I mean, number one, you're the listener, right? You've, you've lived the entrepreneurship grind, lived the hustle, seen growth, looked at the challenges, started as employee number one, um, and have now gone on to, to build the business. And, you know, ultimately, an entrepreneur's work, as you probably would agree, is never really done, right? It's never really completed, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny that you, you just mentioned, and I think it's pretty relevant, uh, that I still enjoy a round of golf when life allows. And I think some of that's the life of the entrepreneur. You at some point think uh, once I have 20 employees and a bunch of clients and multi-millions of dollars of revenue that uh, you'll be on the golf course. And, <laughs> you know, quite frankly, the entrepreneur spirit doesn't really leave you. Uh, all of a sudden you wake up one day and you've got a company that needs your support. It needs your protection. You want to protect your clients. You want to protect your employees. And, and so, you know, it really just never, you're right. It's a journey. It's definitely not a destination. I think, when I started it, I thought it was a destination, and you learn very, very quickly it's a journey. Right. So let's talk about the journey because you've had an interesting one, uh, to to say the least. Why don't you know? Why don't we just dive in and, and talk a little bit about your backstory? You know, who is Troy Spring? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, you want me to start from like when I was four years old or something? <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, I've had I've had people start from knee high to a grasshopper, but you know, yeah, right. uh, any, and, and listen, anything that you feel has shaped you um, in that experience, you know, feel free. Yeah, you know, I I think I'll give you the very quick uh, condensed version uh, to get up to a certain point. And, and, you know, that would be I was 18 years old, fresh out of high school. I needed a job. I owed my dad $500, and I got a job selling cars. Um, and I paid him back my first week, realized I kind of liked that business. I had a free car to drive. My dad was paid off within seven days, uh, you know, back in the 80s when, when that was, uh, you know, demos were really still a thing for even an 18-year-old kid on his first day. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been uh, a student of, of that business for the last 33 years. My goal really at one point was to, to become a general manager of, of an auto dealership. I did that in my mid-30s. The height of that retail career, I was overseeing multiple dealerships. And I realized, quick, you know, pretty quickly that I really, really enjoyed advertising. You know, I really enjoyed the fact that I could drive traffic and, and felt that it was pretty universal to any business, really. And, and so, you know, I ended up starting an ad agency. But quite frankly, you know, the story is a little deeper than that, as you well know, and you probably want me to kind of share, you know. Well, that I want story. you to share whatever level you feel comfortable with, but I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure I'm somebody out there can resonate. Yeah, I think, you know, based upon the audience that you have, there could be somebody listening that's wondering, you know, you know how to go about becoming an entrepreneur. Many. My story goes <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, how about <laughs> it? So, uh, you know, I think that uh, – you know, a, a funny backstory is I say this all the time to people that uh, I just have casual conversations with and they ask me, how did you build a business? And I, you know, we've, I think we've all heard the saying about, you know, burn your boats. Um, right. Burn know, the ships. All, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. If you're going to take the island, burn your boats. And, you know, kind of my joke is uh, my boats were burning. I, I didn't burn mm-hmm. them. I didn't set them ablaze. My boats were, my boats were just burning. And, and so that story goes that the, 09, uh, 08 recession uh, that many people saw in the auto business. Even at the height of my retail career, I was very, very good at it and, and ran a lot of dealerships and was very profitable and had a great life. But systematically, you know, that recession took me down a deep and dark place. Uh, mm. No matter how much money you're making, you know, we all have bills. And, right. uh, you know, I had some serious bills, including child support from a previous marriage and you know, just some things that didn't allow me to take a 55% pay cut, which I took, mm. uh, you know, during that recession. And so it's kind of funny. People say, well, how the heck did you end up with $65 in the bank? Because that's kind of where my story of this business starts. Right. And yeah, I literally had gone through my 401k. I had gone through my savings. I had gone through everything. And, um, you know, just trying to hang on. I was, you know, trying to hang on to a good credit score and, and pay all my bills and, and not dodge anything. And so all of a sudden, one day you wake up and when you're living off of 55% of your income that you've been used to, mm. and you are hanging on by a thread, you kind of wake up one day and go, oh, crap. You know, I had uh, moved out of my house. I, I, you know, luckily, I, I didn't have a foreclosure, but I had moved out of my house. I was going through a divorce, uh, you know, the times were just extremely tough for my family. I sold my sports car, you know, the love of my life, yeah, other than yeah, other yeah. than my children, my, my 2004 <laughs> Acura NSX that I always okay. dreamed of buying. Mm. You know, I, I bought it and then I sold it. So, I, you know, all of a sudden I don't have a job, I don't have a house, I don't have a car, I don't have a wife, I don't have anything. And in January of 2009, I started this business and I literally had $65 to my name left. So, okay. I mean, lost, like, and had like, lost all of them. Like, so like that, those things always make great stories. Like, but like really $65, like, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not call, kidding. call your account. And the woman's like, you, your available balance is $65 like that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, and here's then, how I know, because I didn't have any money in my bank accounts. I had no money in retirement I had, because I had taken it all out to try to stay afloat for, you know, that systematic downturn in the market took, a, you know, 12 months or 15, 18 months of, of losing mm. 55% of my income. It just came, it came with a systematic, hey, we're going to cut your pay, we're going to cut your pay, we're going to cut your bonus, we're going to cut your pay, and then the lack of business. So it all, just all together over, over 12 or 18 months it happened. It wasn't like an overnight thing. 
But um, so I walked so, into so, a so, coin star. Okay, no way. I got to want to hear this. I'll, I'll hold my question. Go ahead. Yeah, no, this is true. This is how I know. I literally was down to my coins. So I have a, a little box that I still have at my house that is in my living room so I can look at it every day and remember mm. what it was like. And uh, it's kind of like a wooden wine box kind of looking thing. Yep, yep. And uh, I dumped it into the Coinstar thing. It said I had like 70 couple dollars and it charged me 9% of that. And I got a slip that said I could go to the cashier and get my $65. And my four-year-old son at the time was with me, and we walk out of the Coinstar deal, and uh, which was in a giant uh, supermarket. Supermarket, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right out, right up front, right. So everybody thinks you're just cashing in change. No, I was cashing in everything I had. Wow. Um, and wow. Uh, I walk out, and my son sees a Cold Stone Creamery ice cream shop, and he's like, "Dad, can I get ice cream?" And uh, mm. you know, quite frankly, it's a turnaround point in my life where I was just. You know, I had been hanging on and kind of dealing with what the curveballs life was, you know, sending me. And I was certainly depressed about it. But, right. you know, at that moment, I was kind of like, that's it. I'm done. You know, my son wants ice cream and I'm going to be down to $61. And I'm and now I'm pissed. Um, you know, like I had just finally had it. And it was a turning point for me, uh, you know, quite frankly. But, you know, I think mostly because <laughs> I like ice cream uh, and I didn't buy one for myself. Um <laughs> You know, I just, I was like, I'll get right. him one. And I sat and watched him eat it. And I was so jealous. I'm like, dang, I want one. And, and so there's, there's a true story of, you know, what life had really brought me to my knees. And uh, that, that ice cream so, moment really pissed me off and was, was a turning point. So, so let me, now, let me ask you an honest question here, right? Yeah. So yep. what do you, so what about a person that says, well, if you had been better prepared, for the downturn, if you hadn't bought a sports car, if you hadn't bought too much house, if you hadn't made some different finance. So it was your challenge self-inflicted to a certain extent or hey, you know what? nobody's ever asked me that question and yeah. I really respect it. And I'll answer. Well, that's it how I rock here. That's how I'm. Yeah, man. I love it. Oprah 2.0 out here right now. <laughs> Look, I'm a I'm a last born. So, uh, you know, if you've ever read birth order uh, or anything about birth order, um, you know, us last borns, you know, live a little different life than firstborns and only. Mm. And, and so I was married to a couple of last borns. And yeah, I probably did have expenses a little higher than the average Joe. But, yeah. you know, I was also making a very, very strong living. Uh, I was, I had a, a large child support payment and I also had right. to have a life. So I was right. kind of supporting two families. You know, I had free cars to drive. Uh, yeah, I shouldn't have bought the NSX in hindsight, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, as they mm. say. And right. when you're living that life and every single year, your income's going up year right. after year after I know. year. Yep. And, and I, and I'm, you know, look, for lack of better terms, I'll say it without sounding too egotistical. I'm, I was really good at the job. So it wasn't right. like I woke up one day and all of a sudden stuck at it and, yeah. and lost my deal. You just kind of look through these rose colored glasses and you think next year I'm going to make another 20%. And unfortunately, you know, that turn came and lost 55% of my income. Sure. Had I been better prepared, I could have survived it better. No doubt. But when I say I went through all my savings and my 401k and everything, I, I you know, I went through, you know, six figures. Um, Would you call yourself you know, a numbers guy? Yeah, I'm definitely a numbers guy. Yeah. Yeah, I could. And, and the reason why it popped in my head is because you're so intentional about the specifics. Like you didn't say, like, I lost like half my income. You're, you're very intentional. You're like. I lost 55% of my income. That coin oh, yeah, star no. was $65 and it cost me $9 in fees. Like I said, so I, that made me think about like, he's, I bet yeah, you he's no, a I'm a definitely guy, numbers guy, which yeah, does help yeah. when you're an entrepreneur, right? So yeah, I'm 100%. Um, but you know, to just, to just not to spend too much time on it, but yes, had I been better prepared, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, a little bit more conservative and would, would have survived it better than me. Right. But, you know, I'm, I, I would also say what what makes me weak is what makes me strong, right? Mm. My, my strong suit is, you know, since we're on an entrepreneur's podcast, yep. um, the strong suit is 
you know, you don't let those things rock you to your core. You just go, hey, I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll figure out another way to make money. I mean, right. it, 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 you know, it, that entrepreneur mindset says, yeah, that really sucked, but, uh, you know, I got this. And so right. it doesn't really bother me. You know, it, makes it me bothered think about me Bill about Gates. the ice cream because I was, I was pretty close yeah. to having nothing. I mean, I was down to 61. Yeah, that's, so. cra- yeah, that's crazy. It makes me think of a Bill Gates quote. He, he was quoted as, um, you know, at a turning point when he first went in to pitch IBM. And, you know, obviously the big turning point for Microsoft, or one of them, I suppose, was the idea that, you know, he convinced IBM that he wanted to be able to license the software. And, you know, IBM I remember at that time, that. right? The board was yeah, only I remember concerned that from about the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The board was only concerned about the hardware. They thought the money was in the computers. And he, the quote he said to Steve Ballmer, as as I'm sure fictionalized in the movie, was, um, "Success is a menace. It convinces smart people that they can't lose." So that was probably part of the driving force for for a lot of us who get in that situation where we're hot or things are just clicking or working or whatever language we like to use, and and you don't think something's coming or especially if that's not your background right financial literacy is something that's not taught very well um outside of i think generational wealth i think uh, i mean i like to have you weigh in on this but i believe that right that's something that maybe is part of that fabric but joe blow who's coming up i mean you know my, my mother wasn't trained in financial literacy my father wasn't trained in financial literacy so there really was not a pass down it wasn't I never had a conversation about how to balance a checkbook in my house, right? Yeah. So, you know, my, my parents did, you know, they were fairly financial literate. Um, yeah. They never made an awful lot of money, but they were very mm. good with it. Yes. Um, they were really good with their money. And uh, so I saw it firsthand, yeah. but I was the youngest and I was, you know, let's, let's face it. You know, you know, the life, Corey, right? You're yeah. a high powered yes. general yeah. manager running four stores. I, I was actually a platform manager. I ran four stores. So right. I had four general managers answering to me. I, you know, I won't mm. I won't go into details, but you can figure right, out what right, that right. income looks like. Right. You know, I was I was I was loving life. Right, right, right. You know, and I, I didn't see any end to it. I just thought uh, until you know, life didn't love promise. you until life didn't yeah. love you back the same way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, All right, one hundred percent. So sixty five dollars turn can't can't get two ice creams. I mean, it's it's the stuff movies are made of. Turning point, right? Like, man, what am I going to do now? Obviously, you're you're in an industry that you know is abundant in terms of volume. I mean, at the, I mean, there's you know tens of thousands of of car dealers, right? You you have a skill. What happens next after the sixty five dollars? Yeah, so uh, I had already started the company, um, and there's a story that goes, and I haven't told this in a long time, so it's kind of fun to yeah. revisit it. I like to but, open up all the wounds on the show. Yeah, I'm, so I'm well, trying. I mean, I think this is, <laughs> look, look before it's over, before it's over, I mean, I'm trying to get a guess. I'm trying to get somebody to cry. I'm trying to break. I'm trying to really go deep for the emotion. So by the, by the time I, I I'm, I'm going to get there, I'm going to get somebody that's going to go just so like deep in this soul. I'm like, man, I'm choking up thinking about this right now. But 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 go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. Well, look, story. I mean, so I will paint a picture for you and yeah. your audience of exactly what it was like. I won't. You, okay, here you go. So one of those days. Uh, with roughly $60 to my name and no job. And by the way, the dealer and I, when we finally shook hands and said goodbye to each other, you know, he said, hey, look, I'll, I'll just mark it down that you got laid off because it was very mutual. I was like, I can't keep mm. doing this. I have no money. You know, it wasn't like I got fired and it wasn't like right. I quit. It was very mutual, right. which I know people won't understand. But, you Is know, I just still said, a business? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and a lot, lot, of, lot of respect for what I learned there. Um, in in a lot of ways, and quite frankly, again, I had a very good life for five right. years. You know, at that group. You know, so. But you know, at one point, I, I didn't take um, any. Um, dude, I can't even think of the dang name of it. Uh, unemployment. Um, okay. I didn't take any. I didn't take any unemployment uh, because I felt like you know what I'm. I've got to make a living. I can't live off of unemployment. So then I don't want to lie to the, you know, to the government and say that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not making any money. So, you know, I literally just did it as uh, I have to make a, I have to make a living. So right. I sat and here's the painted picture picture. I went into my home office and I got out a blank sheet of paper. And again, long time since I've told the story. So it does go pretty deep. 
I got a mountain of bills to my left at my desk that I don't know how to pay. You know, matter of fact, you know, funny story. It's not really that funny, but, you know, I, I, I live this, Corey, and this is me going real deep here, man. I, I had to drive home one day and have my son say, Dad, where's your car? Mm. And I went, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe the bank came and got it. Mm. And, you know, you you want to talk about a guy that's about to cry? Yeah. The embarrassment that I had to, to yeah. that my wife and my, my son – I had to explain that that, that we're not going to have that car anymore. Mm. And I'm a proud guy that was making a lot of money right. driving high-end sports cars. And you know what? Here's the crazy part. I was 37 days behind. Wow. Like the financial – yeah. Who would have ever thought? You've been but everybody was panicking then. Every, everybody was panicking. Every bank yeah, was yeah, panicking. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah, think true. you've got 60 days. You think you've got 90 days. Right. I call them and say, I'll pay it. I'll pay this month and I'll pay next month because I had just sold the deal. Right. So, and I had planned to pay the payment that next day. And I'm thinking, look, I've been doing this for years. Who, right. who has a car repoed at 37 days? Right. Right. You're right. right. You're in the industry. Nobody. Like you, yeah. Except, yeah. Right, right, right. except for me, Mr. Lucky Troy. Right. Um, so I called them and they said, nah, you know, we're going to pass. We're, hmm. we're just going to keep the car. So you want to know about it? Like look, that, that pretty much did bring a tear to my eye, Corey, because I, that's an embarrassing thing that I don't really ever talk about. I, I'm sitting at my house, you know, no car with no job and a family to feed, by the way, $2,500 a month in child support that if I don't mm. pay, I go to jail. Folks, that that you should back into that. That if if that's your number, that means you were making a lot of money because when they make those percentages, you know they base those percentages off income. So for it to be that yeah. high, that, that you definitely were making a lot of money. But go ahead. Six 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 hundred twenty five dollars a week after taxes. Yeah, I had to pay in child support, and if I didn't pay it, my ex wife's husband, quite frankly, and her would have just brought me in and put me in jail. I mean, it mm. just would have been that simple. And and I don't mean it in a negative way. It's just, you know, right. reality is reality. Right. So I had to net 625 before I bought a gumball. Mm. And, you know, never mind try to pay my housing, my car, my this, man. I didn't have a job. So I'm at my desk at my house. So, so, so let me ask you this. Go ahead. Do you feel like you fall into the category of – entrepreneurship out of necessity versus oh, entrepreneurship out of ambition uh both but um okay. because but when you were on top no. you weren't when you were on top of the mountain and and working your deal and, and working for the company you you weren't saying to yourself man i gotta go out and start my own agency right it, it wasn't no but i did you feel entrepreneurial you know, to a certain extent there too Corey. um mm. because i've always been semi-entrepreneurial and i felt okay. like Hey, I've got I've got this job where, you know, my income kept going up and up and up because of my talent level, what I was producing, right? I wasn't just getting a higher salary, I was getting a higher percentage. Right. So in a, in some ways, I felt entrepreneurial even at that level. Right. Um, but but I did, you know, even though I was an employee, uh, you know, I, I get it, it's not entrepreneurial, but you you still have that sense of, hey, I'm 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 in charge of my income, right? Right. So so and that's why I was good at it because I, you know, I, I knew how to, I knew how to, you know, work that, that pay plan and, and, and make it successful and, and do a great job for the dealers and, and it worked. But, you know, so I'm, so I'm now at home at my desk and saying, what do I do? Like, you right. don't go out and get another job for the kind of money that I had been making. Right. You know, you, you, you just, it, they just weren't there in 2009. So I sat at that desk and I, I got out a blank sheet of paper and I had in my previous life sold a lot of direct mail. Mm. Um, I was really well known for it. Uh, Twelve years prior to going to work for this dealer group, who actually hired me. You know, a little tiny backstory to that. So I got hired basically by the group that I worked for for five years because they loved my fire, my energy. They said, "Hey, we'll teach you how to run a car dealership." We just because I was really their direct mail guy, so I'm I'm a I closer see. by nature. Okay, so. Yeah. So for so for twelve years, I did one man band like super sales. Um, okay, I would I would sell the now people. The people that mail. don't know what that means, what does that mean? Super sale, like yeah. obviously our general yeah, audience so, doesn't know what that means. Yeah, yeah, no worries. So so um, 
So, you know, everybody's gotten a piece of mail at their house to, you know, to come to a car sale, right? Um, you know, this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're having a big sale and come on down. And so for 12 years, I would send that mail out. But then the difference was I would go to the dealership on those two to three, four days that we had an event. And as customers would come through the door, I would be 100% in charge of whether or not we sold cars. So I would work the numbers. I would talk to the customers. I was responsible for closing deals. And so I did about 600 of those mm. uh, in my life, that's 600 of those events. Yeah, wow. right. A lot. Uh, that's why sometimes people say, well, you know, how many, how did, how did you close 12,000 car deals in your life? And I say, well, because I did these events where some days I closed 15. Right. Um, right. Right. In one day. So, uh, so the dealer said, Hey, we're going to teach you the car business. And I thought, Hey, I'm in my mid thirties. It was always a goal of mine to be a general manager. They're willing to invest in me and teach me and pay me at the same time. Right. Um, right. And, and so I took that, I took that opportunity. So kind of luckily when that all kind of came to the head of the $61 that we already discussed, I went back to my house and I'm at my desk and I got that blank sheet of paper and I got a mountain of bills next to me. And I just simply said, I know direct mail. And so I've got to design a mailer that is different than anything anybody's seen. It's got to be really relevant in this day and age. Dealers have to believe, you know, my clients, you know, for your general audience, my clients have to believe there's going to be ROI at the end of this deal because they won't spend money on anything in this horrible economy. So, right. so I'm, I'm trying to design a, a product, if you will, mm. that I can go out to my client base in a horrific economy and have them say, I see this as a savior. I see this as a good investment in a horrible economy because if I can change two fives – you know, for three tens, uh, I'm going to do it every single time I can in this horrible, horrific economy. So I knew that my client base would be receptive to listening to anything that provided ROI. And gotcha. so I, so I was, you know, heck bent on, I better come up with something because my look necessity, as you just said, I, I I've got to be able to go out on any given day and be able to bring in some money to, to feed my family. Right. And so, so I came up with uh, a couple of direct mail pieces that started this company. Um, I was one of the first people using microsites. So what we did was instead of just saying, Hey, I'm going to send out a piece of mail and hope people respond to it. Right. Um, in 2009, and, and you know how things have changed internet wise and, and, and sure. whatnot in the last decade, in 2009, I was building microsites, and here's how I did this. This is crafty. Hey, entrepreneurs listening, you better be crafty if you're undercapitalized. Mm, I like, yeah. You better be crafty if you're undercapitalized. And I'm a crafty son of a gun. So <laughs> uh, I, I went to this guy and said, hey, would you build these microsites for me? I can't afford to pay you the $10,000 you want to build them. But I'm going to go sell these events, and I'll send you a check for 500 bucks every time I sell one. So I got I got $20,000 worth of websites built for me in, in 09 that mm. I didn't even pay for. And so what we did is we came up with as an now example. Does that, does, that make, does that make you smart, shrewd, or does that make the other person crazy? What, what, where, where does that fall in the mix? You know, I think it was just a good business deal. You know, I was lucky yeah. to find a guy that was willing to bank on me, and he, it was good for everybody. I think it made me smart. I think it made him shrewd, you know, in a way. Like, I mean, mm. he, he did the math and said, hey, if right. he sells a bunch of this, I'm I'm pretty golden. Well, he made uh, more money in the long run. He definitely made more money in the long yeah. run. And I was able to build it into every deal, and, and, I, and I didn't have to come up with the money, and then I had a product to sell. So, and, you, know, you know, I was so, able so, to go out with no money and, and actually build something. Yeah, so here's the interesting thing, right? So there's like a lot of lessons in that conversation, right? Number one is, you know, don't because because so many people will be okay. Well, here's my because they're taught a couple different things. Like a couple things are popping in my head. Number one is a lot of times we talk about 
price integrity or, you know, stand by your fee and don't, you know, you don't want to negotiate. You don't want to do this. You know, you hear that. You also hear, you know, someone would hear the amount of money that it's going to cost and they go, I can't afford that. And I'm like, man, then they've given up, right? There was no real creativity in how to do a deal, right? The, the order, the deal, the structure, not, not just walking on the first scenario, but, but having that creativity, um, you know, about it. What, what would you, I think there's a couple of examples there, right? Uh, of, of, of that. What do you say to people who, you know, maybe taught that inflexibility or they're so binary or in their, in their thinking that they're not, I hate to use the term outside of the box, but when you say it, people know what you mean. What was your thinking back then at, at trying to get where you wanted to go? Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, not to sound kind of redundant, but it, it, it was out of necessity. Um, you know, you know, like I said, my boats were burning. I didn't have a choice. I hadn't, I didn't, I didn't have the ability to, to write a check for $10,000, you know, at the time. And so, you know, I had to find a way to get what I needed built. And so I would go straight back to salesmanship. You just ask, you know, you right. just, I, I didn't know what he would say, but I said, look, here's how, what I can offer you. And here's what I think you'll make in the long run. And I begged, you know, let's be blunt. I begged. I point right. blank said, look, I need this. And I'm asking you point blank. I'm begging you. Will you build it? And I'll sell it. And then, you know, let's hope I'm right. And you're going to run the risk that I don't sell it. And you did it all for nothing. But if right. I'm right, you know, and, and so a lot of that has to do with selling yourself and selling your vision and getting people to kind of buy behind you. And, you know, I right, think I did that well in the early it, days. It, it, I mean, if he thought you were an asshole, then he wasn't going to do it, right? So, Correct. like, he would just say, pay me my money, and that's it. So there's something to be said about building a relationship. There's something to be – so many people skip that, right? I mean, a lot of people refer to it as dating versus, you know, just, hey, what's your hotel number, right? So so people uh, put it in different analogies, but that was a great example where doing the relationship – and I will say I just did a deal with somebody the other day, you know, who's going to be providing a service to me, and – I mean, you know, listen, I'm going to try to negotiate. That's my nature. Not to the point, and as I said to that person, I said, listen, I I, I, I want to negotiate a little bit here um, because that's my nature, but not to the point where you hate taking the business or you regret right, taking the business, right? right? Yeah. So, so that was number one. I want to be cognizant of that, like um, number one. But he – so in his response to me, um, which he did negotiate, he, he did – he did, after understanding the project, he did choose to come down on his price a little bit, and we're going to do some business. But in his message to me, literally, it's so timely because I literally got this email literally today, and and it was to the effect – I was scanning. Uh, I was scanning to see if I could find it while I was there. But it was literally to the fact that he enjoyed my approach – appreciated my enthusiasm and is really excited to, to start a relationship with me. And that becomes the rationale as to why if I had got on that call with him and, you know, this is what I want and this is how I operate. And if you, you know, if you're going to do business with me, this is how, and I'm expecting you to cut your price. I, I think he just would have probably walked the business even if I was paying full price. So oh, no doubt. Right. You know, yeah, so there's something to be said to that, right? There's something to be said to that finesse. Um, finesse. Great word. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's a, it's a bit about being crafty. I wouldn't call it manipulation. I would not at call all. it not at all. finesse. You right. know, I knew what I needed. And, you know, look, I might have just found the right guy, too. He wanted to make extra income. Again, let's remember the economy wasn't that good. Right. Um, you know, he was looking to make extra income. And at the end of the day, uh, I was able to supply him with an extra 500 bucks every couple of weeks. Right. Um, and it, and it turned out to be more than $10,000 in the end. So we did all win. And so, especially once the check started to flow, I really had his confidence and he yes. was like, okay, I, I really trust this guy and he's living up to what he's, you know, offered me. And, and so, you know, we ended up building probably six or seven of those microsites. Mm. So it really turned out to be good for both of us. So, right. so to go back to that, what happened was, uh, you know, that those dealers, you know, my clients at that time wanted ROI. So I built these direct mail pieces that had uh, hooks 
and lead generators that nobody was really doing at the time. Typically, back those days, I think you'll recall, it was drop the mail, hope they show up. Right. Um, you know, I had uh, call tracking, call recording. I had microsites that had lead generation on them that was very strong. So, so is it uh, so fair to say have... that you took a model that was you didn't just say, hey, I'm going to create an agency and then now here I am here. Hear me roar. If you build it, they will come. You had to take a practical look at where you could add value in a different way because advertising and correct me if I'm wrong. My observation has always been, especially when it comes to an agency relationship, a lot of times those things are hard to break like those relationships, you know, yeah, where. Yeah, where somebody's been working with the same person for five, six years. So you just show up and go, hey, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it cheaper or I'll do it, whatever. A lot of people don't want to go through even the risk of, A, does your stuff work or will your, you know, will your creative, will your your, your, your spiel to my audience work better? Or, hey, you know, I do golf with my ad guy every Tuesday and I do this with him and I do that with him. And, you know, I'm not super, I'm not, convinced that you're going to be so much better so i'm just going to stay with with the people i have a relationship with so you had no choice also to come with something different you had to have that moment where they were going wow we've never seen this my guy doesn't do this so now yeah we and we weren't an agency at that time Corey. to be fair okay all i did was sell this one linear product which was direct Mm. mail with lead generation i wasn't a service agency okay good point I, i was a I was a one-man band with a linear product, and so they would sometimes flip me to their agency, right? and then the agency would say, hey, that worked pretty good, and then the agency would give me deals. So so let me ask you, this is a good good – good lesson opportunity here for people who try to do too much. And obviously I talk to entrepreneurs weekly, um, whether through my inner circle coaching program, the people that are working with me directly or people who are looking to work with me. I constantly get emails. I constantly, whenever I, whenever I do a TV spot or something, I get, you know, follow up from that. And what's, what I find interesting, scary as a trend is there's all there's this desire to do everything right i mean i talked to one guy he's like well you know i'm in real estate um and you know i do coaching too Corey, and um you know i'm doing credit repair and <laughs> they, they see that as the definition of an entrepreneur and you know yeah. i said to the guy well i, I said not well, everybody's coaching. elon musk buddy yeah yeah i said i said you do coaching huh and i said well let me pull up your website and it was like 99 dollars. and i'm a pretty you know, direct guy. <laughs> and and we were doing this on video. So we were like on a zoom so I could see him. He could look at me and I looked dead into the camera and I said, $99, you can't be very good. Because <laughs> so, so hey, you yeah, made a one, group- hey, one of my mentors always told me, nobody knows the value of their product better than the person selling it. Mm. Right. Nobody knows the right. value, the value of your product better than you. Yeah. And so if he's priced it at $99, he knows the value Right. So so you uh, you you hit on a good point, which was you were like, hey, I wasn't thinking about taking over the world. I wasn't thinking about all of the and we'll fat we'll get to where everything that you guys are doing now and how you've come full circle. But you said, I'm going to I've got this thing. It is a differentiator. I'm going to go out and try to sell the hell out of it um, as much as I can. Right there. That's exactly what happened. Yes. Right. Right. And you took that one product and you doubled down on it versus going. Oh well, and what buddy, else do you I need? Triple, I triple downed on it. You want you want to hear what yeah. I did? That was that yeah, you yeah. want you want the entrepreneurs to really hear something like yes, deep. Please. So I had no money, right? Have you ever heard the saying that you know betting ten dollars that you're going to make a putt isn't a really big deal? Betting ten dollars when you don't have ten dollars in your pocket is a pretty big deal. <laughs> no, I have not heard that, but I get it. <laughs> okay, so I'm a golfer, and the joke joke on the golf course is it's not that big a deal to bet that you're going to make the six foot putt if you have the $10 in your pocket. The real right. pressure is when you don't have the money in your pocket. And right. so I took that mail piece that I told you that I thought mm. would provide ROI. I had no money in my pocket and I went out and I guaranteed that it would work. So if, a, so if one of my clients spent 10, 12, $15,000 with me right. and it didn't work, I had to pay them back. Right, and I didn't have any money. That's the only way I could get the deals to close. 
Right. Because I would sit in the, that economy and I'd take say, away the objection. You didn't take away the objection. I had to, yeah, I had to, I had to lower the barrier of entry, right? And so I had one that didn't work. Right. And I and then I got real crafty, and that's a whole different story. But I got real crafty and figured out how to pay the guy back. I right. never stiffed anybody. Right. And then it worked. And here was the cool part: once it worked, once I lowered that barrier of entry for four or five deals, and I got some references of people that said, "Hey, that worked." Then I could go out and sell it without having to give that guarantee. But my first right. four or five deals, I I, I could have gone seventy five thousand dollars more in debt. Right. But you know you got to really you got to believe in what you're doing, and you've got to you've got to go all in. Well, that goes you know, back to your and, statement, right? That goes back to your statement about no one knows the greater value of the product. And I think back to, you know, some of the workshops that we do, the last workshop that we did um, last year, and there were these there were these guys that I was trying to get on the hook that weren't responding to the emails, weren't responding. And, you know, when you're working with sponsors and all this other stuff, you've got pressure to, to, to you know, deliver for your sponsors. And I remember sitting at I know the quality of my workshops and I know what happens in my workshops uh, when people come because I'll kind of oversee that content in my speakers and all those things. Um, and my last, one of my last methods was, Hey, listen to you send your guys and they hate it. I'll give you your money back. And right. I'm telling you five minutes after I sent out the email, he's like, all right, I can't turn that down. And then boom, nine, there was nine people from his organization started uh, started registering for the event. And as I knew, because I had confidence, everybody, you know, was I'm not saying because I'm so great. I'm just making the point. I knew at the end it, it was a fool's bet, as they call it, because sure. I knew that his staff was not going to come back and go, you know, oh, this sucked. So, but it was what it took to take it over the, to, to get him closed up. Sometimes you gotta, you know, have that level of confidence in, in your product or service. Hey, by the way, I've heard you speak, uh, and that was a good bet on your part. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, my pleasure. so, so you kind of get this working, you're, I mean, you know, again, by f no, by no means out of the woods, right. But no. Give me some give me some milestone moments between that point and now where you are today. I know I think you just moved into new offices and you you, you know you're you're continuously growing. You've got you know layers of of management now where you don't I don't think have to work yourself to death anymore. Give me just some milestones without taking me through the whole you know ten year run. Give me some yeah, milestone no, okay. moments for you in that process. Yeah, no, there and there are a couple. Uh there are a couple that I look back at and say if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't be where I'm at. So uh one was uh as you well know, you probably remember a book that was written by uh Brian Pash and Tracy Myers in two thousand twelve called The Unfair Advantage. Um, yes. that, that book had, you know, a lot of, a lot of players in our industry, right? I mean, you have a, you have a wide general audience, so, yeah. you know, I'll just, I'll just say it that way that in our industry, there was a lot of players that were in that book. So, uh, I had an opportunity to be in that book. Um, and, and I took it and, and, you know, I'll leave some of those details, uh, you know, on the table, just out of courtesy to everybody involved, uh, but you know, it, it, it wasn't an inexpensive proposition cause I, I, I had to fly to Vegas to, to promote it. Um, right. and remember these are the days that I didn't have any money. Um, right, right. You know, and there, there's a cost to publication. There's a cost to travel. Sure. There's a cost to promotion, but I got offered to write the chapter on direct mail. And so right. my wife currently, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, and, and one of the reasons she's my wife is, is just the unwavering support she gave me um, shout out to was, Brittany shout out to my lovely lovely mm. fantastic wife Brittany you know I, I went to her and said hey this is going to cost me some money and in the end you know to, to to be in this thing but and and she said something really bright to me she said I know where you're trying to go and these are the people that you need to be hanging around so do mm. it. just just figure out a way and do it and and so you know I, I was very fortunate you know I'm, I'm very tight and very good friends with Craig Lockhart, as you know, and again, your general audience wouldn't know that name. Um, but there's, there, there's, there's many people in that, in that arena that were in that book that I'm very good friends with today. And, 
you know, I was the small so, fish. I'm, so was that I'm the springboard or what? Where are you going with this? <laughs> uh, so so <laughs> wait, this is interesting. Okay. This is pretty okay, interesting. So, All right. so I fly to Vegas, right? I fly yeah. to Vegas to promote this book and I'm out even more money. And uh, here's a micro moment. Here's, here's one of those catalyst things. Okay. I am outside of Ted English's pub with uh, Craig and a whole bunch of these other authors and, and people. And, and uh, this one particular man, Craig, says, uh, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to be out to dinner with my, you know, a couple friends and a couple clients and a couple, you know, of my, of my team. And if you want to join us, that would be great. And I was like, okay, that's great. So we, we're standing outside this restaurant and we can't get in. And so everybody's scrambling. It's like 99 degrees out, you know, right? So it's like, it's like hot. And, and right. everybody's like, now what are we going to do? So I walked down the side of this building of Todd English's pub in Vegas. And it's kind of wide open, you know, those kind of walls that open up. So it's kind of like an open air restaurant. Yep. And uh, I, I look in and I say to this waitress, I say, man, she says, what? I said, there's 12 guys standing out front, and I am the small little tiny fish in a very big pond, and they won't let us in. They said there's no seating. And remember, I don't have a whole lot of money, but I got a couple bucks by this point. And I said, I got $50 if you could seat the 12 of us. <laughs> she said, I'll take your money, meet me up front. I'm telling all of the entrepreneurs that are listening to this, aspiring entrepreneurs, people that are trying to make something happen, you've got, you've got to make something happen. And here's mm. why. The, you know, the highest paid people in the world are people that make shit happen. Pardon my language. I don't swear much on things like this, but I, I feel that emphatic about this. I've said it for years and years and years. Highest paid people in the world are people that make shit happen. So I walk down this thing, I give the lady 50 bucks, I walk back and like, like, like I'm the boss of the whole crowd, I just go, hey guys, let's go. <laughs> and they go, where are we going? That We're is gonna boss. go sit down. Yeah, right, you know, like, look, I mean, I gotta make something happen. I travel right. to Vegas with money I don't really have. And, I, and, and I'm thinking, you know, I just wanna make this crowd happy. I wasn't looking to be like a hero, I wasn't looking to do, I was just like, let me do the right thing. This guy right. invited me out with his group, and they can't get a seat, and everybody's scrambling, trying. And all of a sudden, his group is about to disband, and and so I got lucky, and I got us all sat down. Where am I going? I sit down next to this guy, and I shake his hand, and I say, you know, hey, how are you? And again, general audience doesn't matter, names and dealerships and all that other kind of stuff. But I sit down next to this guy, and I say, hey, you know, my name's Troy, and he says, yeah, my name's Ryan. And uh, I said, that's great. I said, well, you know, what do you do? And he goes, well, I'm, you know, general manager of my family's Toyota dealership. And then he says, what do you do? I said, I sell direct mail, but I'm really trying to turn my direct mail company into an ad agency. And, you know, sometime here in the next six to eight months, I need to find a dealership that will give me that chance because I'm really good at it. I know how to do it. So, yeah, I sell direct mail. But I think I'm going to turn my agent, you know, the, turn into a full service agency. As if from the graces of up above, he <laughs> says to me, we hate our ad agent. <laughs> Walking down the side of that building and giving that girl $50, sitting down next to a guy who was thankful that I got him a seat inside an air conditioned restaurant for a meal that he was looking forward to, he sits down next to me and to this day, 89 months later, my first client is one of my very best clients, one of my mm. very best automotive friends. I sleep at his house. We eat dinner. And, and they became my first advertising client. And, uh, you know, those, Mike, those moments that you're asking about, yes. Corey, yes. I'm telling your audience, I'm telling your audience, you've got to make things happen. They don't just happen. You make them happen. And, and, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't beg this guy. I didn't act as if like you owe me anything. It was just, I tried to do the right thing. I wanted those 12 guys to sit down and get a meal in, inside an air conditioning. And so I thought it was worth 50 bucks. I did it. And, and karma's real, man. Karma's so real. I sit down next to a guy who to this day is still a client and helped me build this thing. And, yeah. And so, I, it, you know, 
that's a, it's an amazing story. It, you know, yeah, anybody is. that really truly understands like those moments, those butterfly effect moments of life, you just well, will, you got to believe that they're around the corner. Yeah, and I will tell you, um, this is the other thing. I, I mean, this is one of the things I really love about doing this podcast is as I hear other people's story, it triggers stories for me in my life that I've never actually shared. And and I have one of those moments, you triggering that, this is a great area for us to also relate. I've known you for a number of years, but these are great moments because my first client 15 years ago is today a great friend of mine who I spend time with his family. I was just at his kid's basketball game um, and turned into be a great friend of mine. But he's also the guy that backed me when we started winning large contracts. We started winning um, manufacturer contracts and we didn't have the money at that time. And I went to him and it was really because of him in that relationship that funded my ability to even take on um, some large scale projects very early on in our business. And you made me think of that at this moment, you know, based on you sharing the story. Now that's the touchy feely part of it. Now, the other part I have, cause I can't let, I can't let an opportunity go by um, folks that are looking um, Troy's story, though, that was super, super weak. What he did with that, his answer to the question about what you do, I can't let that go. It worked out for you, but you and I both know that if somebody turns to you in business, like, what do you do? And you're like, well, I do direct mail, but I'm kind of trying to be an agency. Like, you know, we would call that weak. <laughs> it just happened no, to hey, work listen, out. I you. don't t- uh, listen, by the way, remember though, Corey, I had nothing at that point, so it was the truth. And I know, but you don't. I don't, I look, I don't I, dispute that, but yeah, I don't dispute yeah. that. But the other thing, I'm going to call you back out on this for a second, okay? <laughs> I'm going to Go call ahead. you back out on this. Our business is full of guys that puff themselves, and, and, and so is the rest of the world. Again, general audience right. and, and understanding right. who your audience of entrepreneurs yeah. are. You know, look, when you pretend to be something you're not or you puff yourself or you, you know, ego to me is the most expensive thing in America, mm. you know, and, and I think I built my business because I'm humble and and people, you know, I'm raw and I'm real. And my client base is very similar to me. Uh, right. they, they kind of appreciate that, you know, I wasn't like, you know puffing myself and I'm the greatest and I'm wonderful and you better hire me. And I'm, you know, I was just like, look, here, here's the thing. And I think it worked out for me in that moment. Now I'll say to you, you're kind of right. I, I probably could have had a better 30 second commercial word track there. Um, but I was still fresh, young and new in the business and, right. and trying to make something happen. But in hindsight being 2020, I genuinely think that my, my honesty, my sincerity, my rawness is is what attracted and you're, that. And you're, pro- and you're probably and you're and you're probably right. But I wasn't going to let that go by. So listen, nah, here, here's look, what, I deserve here, that. I deserve. Here, it. <laughs> here's what, here's what I want to do. Um, I want to. I, I need you to give me some quick tips because we're running out of time. Um, yeah. And and your story was so interesting and so valuable. Um, as a yeah, I kind of feel bad. Guy, we spent a lot of time on the early days, but you know, no, I think no. that's most important. I hope that somebody in your audience is a is a fresh new entrepreneur looking to make something happen, and and oh, I think listen, those early resonate. day lessons are the ones yeah. that are you know really are going to resonate you know well, with, it, with it, somebody maybe maybe change somebody's right. life. Right. Oh no, a hundred percent. I think it will um, it, through all phases. I mean, we've got guys on. I mean, I've got guys that have done a hundred million dollars in their business, and 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 you know, again. That's why I, I strive for the diversity. But here's what I want to give for you really quick without going into a lot of fanfare is what, what are some things from a from a marketing end? So I've, I'm in business. I mean, we've got people who are thinking about starting, starting. We've got guys that are been in business making money, always looking to keep the iron sharp, right? So what, what are some of the trends? What are some of the things that you see in the digital marketing landscape, you know, across the general landscape that you would be advising people um, to think about, invest in, stay away from. Just give me a couple nuggets here really quickly. Yeah, got it. Easy. Um, first and foremost, stay away from uh, really uh, generally speaking uh, agencies that are just entering into the space, meaning, and I won't mention names of companies, but if you're, if you're, uh, if, if you are, approached by somebody who used to do something else and I'll, I'll just say newspaper in general, right? 
uh, or some other traditional medias that are losing market share and all of a sudden they've got some digital offering that is selling impressions and clicks and things of that nature. Stay a thousand miles away from that. Uh, that's, that's first and foremost. Secondly, okay. um, almost every business, in my opinion, can benefit from social media, Facebook. Uh, but be careful. Um, if you are a company that needs leads, uh, hire the right company that generates leads. Uh, I, mm. I, I genuinely feel that social media is such a cool format because you can in lead generation with social media you also get the impression meaning if i'm scrolling on facebook and i see an ad that says you know xyz product for xyz abc company uh, has an offer and down bottom click learn more the cool thing about that is you get the impression, you know, it, you can have a picture. Pictures are worth a thousand words. You can, right. you can have some copy there. Uh, you can maybe even have a canvas ad or a carousel ad and people can see multiple, you know, offerings that you have, i.e. an HVAC as an example. If it's a, an air conditioning unit, you know, you can have 10 offerings that you have, your least expensive to right. most expensive. And so even if you don't generate a lead, just like radio television of the old days, which, we, by the way, we still do a lot of radio and television. I still think it's extremely relevant to certain industries. Uh, but you asked about digital marketing. Yeah. Um, so, so from that standpoint. Or, or whatever. Facebook, I mean, I'm fine. I mean, whatever yeah. you want to. Well, yeah. Facebook offers the ability to have that eyeballs on your ad. So, right. so you can see the ad. You can relate to the ad. You can, you can kind of see the offerings. Uh, Facebook, uh, operates very similar to traditional media. They track reach and frequency, which is everything anybody ever spoke about in radio and television. So it's how many times did they see the ad too? So go for a high frequency because you've got to become top of mind and sticky in the consumer's mind. So, you know, let it, let it get some grip. That's why they call them GRPs, but you kind of enter this little eye in there and we call it grip in the ad agency. You know, your, your thing's got to get sticky. It's got to get grip. So if I'm scrolling over a month's period of time and I see your ad seven times, right. that's better than seeing it once or twice. Mm. So at that point, you might have people that pick up the phone, click the call, they might even, if they were a local business, just walk into your business. You might see a lift in your business without seeing uh, anything incremental as far as website visits and or leads. Now, at the same time, the beautiful part about that is if, if it's a well-executed lead generation ad, not only do you get the leads, but you get everything I just mentioned, which is eyeballs on your ads, reach, frequency, top of mind, awareness, and maybe they never become a lead. But with Facebook, at least that and almost any business, you know, can can benefit from a, a really well executed lead generation campaign. That do you have will a favorite? Do you have a favorite medium right now for advertising? Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I look. I think. Or is it budget well, specific? Or. Yeah, I mean, I want to be careful here because I yeah. think every every industry. Uh, you know, even though we're, you know, we're fairly, uh, again, automotive, but, you know, I think everything that we do is, is will we'll transfer to just about any industry. So it depends right. upon still the, the industry. I mean, I mean, you're still trying to bring customers. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, if yeah. you're, if you're an attorney, as an example, I think Google yeah. AdWords is huge. Mm. Right. Cause I'm going to go to Google AdWords. I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to say, you know, I Divorce. need an injury attorney. Right. Yeah, I Injury, don't know that right. Facebook is the right place for that. Mm. Uh, not saying it wouldn't work. So right. I think AdWords has a very, very compelling, uh, you know, because it's search. They're further down the funnel. Like, so, so here's a tidbit of information because Facebook and Google have become radio and television of, of, of the 2020s, right? We have clients that say, well, I'll spend five grand on Facebook. I'll spend five grand on Google. It's no different than the old days when somebody would say, I'll spend five grand on radio and five grand on TV. Um, right. They're not the same animal. They're not the same animal at all. Um, Facebook is very much a push strategy um, where you got people scrolling and they're not in the market. They didn't ask to, to look at your product, but you're shoving it in their face and, and hoping that you can kind of push them into the market. 
Whereas, you know, Google is a, is a search strategy where I'm sitting at my, my desk, my computer, my phone, my tablet, and I'm typing in the toolbar, you know, I'm typing in the search bar. Um, I want basically, right. I mean, that's almost what we're saying, you know, show me Ray-Ban sunglasses, show me air conditioning units, show me an attorney, you know, for divorce, show me a car, show me, you know, furniture, whatever the case might be, you're, you're searching that. And so that, that customer's deeper down the funnel. Um, and so they convert at a very high rate, but that doesn't mean that, that social's not good because, it's 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 less expensive per impression and per click, so sometimes they equal out. But I, I think anybody listening that has a business that's looking, you know, for the best way to to spend money on either Google or Facebook, um, you know, the, the the best thing really to do is is speak to somebody who truly understands the nuances of both and how how a push strategy is different than a search strategy. And here's a nugget for you. Um, internally, what we do as an agency so that we know we're spending the money wisely for a client and we can show them why not to do 5000 5000 right? Because it just seems like an arbitrary, you know, kind of dumb way to spend money, in my opinion. Um, we track every $100 spent on Facebook and Google. So what, what we do is we break it down to – how many clicks to the website did we get? How many pages were viewed on their website? How many leads did we get? How many, right, for every $100 spent. And then mm. we can look at it and actually say, hey, you know what, for you in your market with the product that you sell and the strategy we have in, uh, you know, deployed right now, Facebook is killing it and or Google is killing it and or they're equal. So we, we try to take the arbitrariness out of it and actually spend the money wisely where it's, where it's getting its best effect. So you know, if, if audience can do that or has an agency or, or a partner that they can really dissect that with, I think that would help. So that's another, that's another little tidbit. Man, that's awesome. So listen, I want to, tr- we're, we're going to pivot to my entrepreneurship rapid fire section. This is a series <laughs> in part of the show where I'm nervous uh, all of a sudden. I'm nervous. Yeah, no, don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the big trivia question yet, but this is the part of the show where we're just going to get some insights into, you know, how you tick as an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. Now, sure. I've got nine questions. You're going to give me the first answer. No backstories. You're just giving me the answer that comes to your head. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. PC or Mac? Uh, Mac. Okay, that's the right answer. What's your favorite credit card right now for running your small running your business? Uh, American Express uh, Gold and Platinum. Physical planner or digital planner? Uh, meaning, do I use a legal pad or do I use or an iPad? Is right. Do you asking? use a planner? Yeah, yeah. In terms of planning your day, uh, uh, a, a digital. I do everything on an iPad. Okay. Favorite software right now to manage your business. Uh, we use Rike. Starbucks, Dunkin', or other? Oh, Starbucks, easy. <laughs> when it comes to thanking people, thank you card or thank you email? Oh, no, thank you cards. Handwritten notes all the time. When it comes to your learning, reading, hardcover, tablet, or audiobook? Uh, hardcover. What would you say is your next big goal? Uh, to reach 10 million in sales. Last question. One day with any mentor, and I have to say who's alive because somebody wanted to talk to Abraham Lincoln. So one day with <laughs> one day with any mentor who's alive, who would that person be? Uh, Dave Matthews, the the um, musician. Yep. Interesting. That's, that's you're, the, you're yeah. the first person to select a musician. Okay. Well, anybody out there that's connected to Dave Matthews, let's 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 get my boy Troy Spring hooked up. So, uh, what, so he look, can... what, what he's accomplished. I want no backstories, but I, I know it's an unusual, you know, kind of deal. Yeah. But a, I love the music and what he has accomplished as a musician. In my humble opinion, the the following that he has, the just it's it's an amazing amazing story. I think I could learn a lot. You know that that is just from a different angle. Well, we're going to get it done. Somebody out there, Dave Matthews, Troy Spring, <laughs> it's going to happen, all right? Okay, listen, final deal. This is entrepreneurship yeah. trivia. This is your opportunity to determine if you go into the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Shame on our show, okay? So 
I am uh, going to oh, ask boy. you a trivia I question. I am truly nervous now. That, 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 the nine were easy. I got a feeling the tenth is tough. <laughs> I'm going to ask you. Now, you are in luck because I only have true or false questions. So that means you've got a 50-50 chance versus other people who uh, we had three multiple choice. They had a, they it had also makes th- me look more stupid if I don't get it right. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting ready to find out. Are you ready? All right. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. True or false? According to research done by Payscale, um, the median income for a small business owner, true or false, in the first year is around – no, geographic location. This is a terrible – no. I, I, the, the, question, the question person is question person is fired. All right. You're, you're getting in all the questions. This is the first time – I don't even understand this question. All right. Here you go. Somehow, true a true, a, yeah. somehow on a true or false question, you failed. I don't know how yeah, that's I, possible as, I'm, I'm, as the game show host. I but, think I'm uh, reading. No, because I'm reading the I'm reading the statement, but I think the answer is in the question. So we're throwing <laughs> that aside. Here, here, here we go. Here we go. True or false? Forty five percent of small businesses are owned and operated by a single person. Uh, false. Is that your final answer? Yes. For spring, you are in the hall of fame. Nice. Yeah, I'll let that sit in for a second. Uh, according to the SBA, 70% of small business owners are, are owned and operated yeah, by a single person. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Listen, Troy, man, I, I'm super excited. I mean, we, we really, we've busted it out today. I, I think your story was fantastic. It was exactly what I wanted people to hear. Um, I know that you specialize in the automotive industry, but if people just want to be in your circle, how, how do they contact you? How do they find you? I mean, we, we do have, obviously, automotive people who listen. Also, you, you, were, you, were, you didn't even talk about this, but um, – Troy has a, a book that came out a few years ago, but called Turbocharge Your Life that is still, you know, that's shipping on Amazon, still available. I'm looking at it right now. Kindle, paperback, it's still out there. And you did another um, book called The Power of Connected Marketing that's available on Amazon also. But Troy, how can people kind of reach out, contact you if they want to get in your circle? Uh, yeah, pretty easy. Um, I'm, I'm really open, so I'm going to do something maybe some of your guests don't do. Uh, they can text Do it me fast. Six, <laughs> six ten five seven zero three zero two two is my cell number. Just text me and say, "Hey, I heard your podcast. I want to chat." Or email me at troyspring at mydealerworld dot com. Or just Google Troy Spring Dealer World. You'll find me and reach out. And uh, you know, I would I'd be glad to help anybody who has any questions on advertising. Man, I love it, Troy. Thank you for joining the show today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, hey, Corey. Thanks so much for having me. This is, this is fun. You're welcome. As I close out today's episode, I'm asking that you subscribe to my podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a review. And if not, just keep it to yourself. And if you've heard something today that you think can help someone you know, then I encourage you to share it. Finally, if you are a business owner that is ready to become a fearless entrepreneur, then head on over to my website, fearlesswithcory.com, to learn more about the most comprehensive business growth support system for entrepreneurs on the planet. I'm Corey Mosley, and this has been another episode of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Yeah.